The hottest news item right now regarding Arizona State sports is obviously the resignation of athletic director Ray Anderson. And as much as ASU fans were pleased with that news, over the weekend they had a grin on their faces for a very different reason, and that is a 17-7 road victory over UCLA in the last Pac-12 contest Arizona State will ever play at the Rose Bowl. So I know there are quite a few podcasts out there in full confession. Some of them featured yours truly talking about the Anderson news. But how about we shift the focus to what transpired in the victory over the Bruins, a game where creativity on offense was all the rage. And let's look ahead to an Oregon contest where head coach Kenny Dillingham faces the team he served as offensive coordinator just last season. To discuss those topics, I invited Sun Devil Network sideline reporter Kevin Turner, who always has a very unique field-level insight about what transpires not only on the field but also on the team bench, and help me break down why UCLA was so powerless in stopping that mad scientist Sun Devil offense. So thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies podcast. I'm your host and DevilsDentist.com publisher, Hode Rubino. And joining me on the podcast today is... Sun Devil Network sideline reporter Kevin Turner. He and I were there in the Rose Bowl on Saturday for a very unique, let's say, Arizona State win. Uh, not just one victory for the books, but uh, one victory I think a lot of us, uh, if we're lucky enough, 10, 20, 40 years from now, we'll still remember. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Hode. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So let's talk about this victory. and And I think Kenny Dillingham is really much more pragmatic than people give him credit for when you look at this win, because he he didn't try to outsmart Chip Kelly. He didn't try to just uh, throw all these bells and whistles for some kind of ulterior motive in mind. He basically really had to do the most that he had with the tools at his disposal. And we have to agree that even though some of the numbers may have not have been all that pretty, uh, the scoreboard is a scoreboard and and really a resounding success in that uh, vein with Kenny Dillingham and the Sun Devils? Well, I, I, I'm, I might disagree with you a little bit. I think, you know, we come into this game, we're definitely outmatched. They've got the, you know, the top rushing offense, uh, stout defense, you know, one, two or three in most categories on the defensive side. So, you know, we're not even close to that. We're last in total offense, last in scoring offense, sort of middle of the pack. Um, on defense only because our defense has been on the field the majority of the time and we don't take nearly as many snaps as our opponent well that got flipped this week we took mm-hmm. 69 snaps they took 58 we possessed the ball for 36 minutes they had it for 23 but to me um, you know it's interesting I'm going to digress for a moment um, and and take you in a, a little bit different uh, vein here I was driving home from the Rose Bowl and I was listening to our Sun Devil post game, and I'm like, yeah, okay, those are predictable answers. I go, I wonder what the UCLA fans. So I turn mm-hmm. over to AM570, KLAC, which is sort of my hometown, go-to sports radio, Petros and Money, guys I like listening to, and and uh, Colin Cower is on in the uh, morning drive time. So that's my preset. So I'm listening to – there was a guy by the name of Tim Cates who had done uh, Bruin Talk Forever. For some reason, there was a new guy on there. I didn't recognize his name. And he was going on and on about how he had to play psychologist tonight. But and then he described the Sun Devil offense as annoying 
And I just started laughing. I almost pulled off the road. I go, I'm going to dial in. I'm going to call. And I introduced myself to the call screen. I said, hey, I'm the Arizona State sideline guy. And I do the pre and post. And I do this stuff, you know, back for the, like, well, what do you do? I, well, I commute from Orange County. And this is sort of a kind of an away yet home game. And I'm driving home. I got time to kill. And I'm, I'm just laughing you know, my tail off listening to the host describe our offense. And I, I did, I, I, I agree with him wholeheartedly. So he brings me up and he's like, you know, we're either going to hit the dump button or there's something I go, no, I, you know, my name's Kevin Turner. I'm going to give you my name and this is what I do. And I just wanted to compliment you. I think you're doing a great job on your show. And, um, and I'm laughing my tail off at the way you describe our offense. To me, it might be even a little step further. It was almost like the home alone Macaulay Culkin offense where you're outmatched, but Kenny outsmarts him. You know, you're 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 totally at the whim of, you know, your your, you know, your all the chicanery and all the every trick you can pull out in the book and getting caught in kite string and getting hit with a, you know, a dart gun and a BB gun and, you know, slipping on on uh, motor oil and you know, ultimately they're frustrated, defeated, and uh, ASU comes out of the Rose Bowl with a home alone victory. You know, <laughs> a la Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> to me, that's what it looked like. They were frustrated. They looked annoyed. The fans were like, "What is going on here? This is the Harry High School Junior Varsity Pop Warner." But guess what? It yeah. worked. We won 17. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares what it looks like? It's a W in the win column. And every Sun Devil fan, you know, from one side of the valley to the next, had an ear-to-ear grin on their face, right? Sure. That's all that matters is wins. And uh, give him credit for – and by the way, that was Marv – Kenny gave yeah. Marv Lewis a lot of credit for that because that, they pulled that out of the archives. And they went on the internet and they started looking at – I think it was Jim – fossil that had come up with this when he was at when he was at oregon and uh, or at utah Utah. rather and and they put it in and uh dug on it and we've got one thing for sure about this sun devil ball club we've got a lot of utility a lot of guys that are just athletes Mm -hmm. and you look at cam completing that pass he throws a dart on a backside post to Elijah Badger and Badger's just getting, uh, you know, molested by Jalen Davies, by the way, a kid I know from modern day, great kid, but you know, he's undersized, doesn't have necessarily the quicks or the physicality and they were picking on him all night long. And they, they finally hit the hit Pater. We got one against him on with O'Mary, but they called that one back. But I just, I was, I, I told Kenny at halftime in our interview, I said, coach for a three, nothing ball game, this has got to be the most fun I've had <laughs> in several years watching you guys, you know, completely frustrate the Bruins right now. And uh, he had a big grin on his face. Like, Hey, we got to do what we got to do. Yeah. I, I think that home alone analogy is on the money. I mean, <laughs> absolutely right. I mean, you're, you're outmatched. You have to think out of the box and out of the box. Kenny definitely thought, well, let me ask you this. Um, why do you think it was so hard for UCLA not being able to properly adjust during the game at halftime in the third quarter, because to your point earlier, Kevin, this statistically, I think was the best defense in the pack 12. This was in the middle of the pack group that had some success earlier, maybe kind of faltered as of late. This is a very good UCLA defense. It is it almost like baffling how easy for lack of a better term. It was for Kenny Dillingham to take that UCLA defense totally out of their element just because he's lining five offensive linemen to the left or the right of the quarterback, 10, 15 yards down, uh, down the field. I mean, 
Does that does that still maybe well, befo- what, befuddle well, you, you a little? Yeah. You have to guard against. And you know, I heard the guys upstairs and and rapper talking about it. You know, they would send or we would send. You know, four offensive linemen to the left, mm-hmm. and then there was a there was a receiver over there. So you have to match up and you have to protect against sort of a, an outside, I guess, wedge screen. So you throw the ball one step back, you throw, you get it to your, and then you've got a wedge in front. So you have to protect against, you can't just leave it naked out there. Mm. I mean, you potentially could, and then, then compress the middle, but then you're, then you're leaving tremendous exposure out on the outside. So you really have to, you got to pick your poison. I think what you have to do in that, you have to have a free runner coming at the quarterback. And they mm-hmm. finally started to do that. Um, but they took the Murphy twins out of the game. They took Liatu out of the game. Um, they took uh, Darius Mulasau out of the game. And otherwise, I mean, we had a quarterback essentially playing on one leg. So mm-hmm. to protect the quarterback, we had to, we had to match, you know, our our resources, which you, you think about Jalen Conyers, a former quarterback, and then you've got Scat who can do so many different things out of the Wildcat. So I I think it was, you know, I had a sales manager right when I got out of college at Xerox. He said, guys, you got to sell what's in your bag. And that's exactly what Kenny did. He had to sell what he had in his bag. He had limited resources. And so, you know, when you you know, in the art of war, if you're equally matched, you fight. If not, you split and reevaluate. And that's exactly what they did. They split it up and they reevaluated and they executed their plan. I don't want this to be dominated by, you know, totally on the offense because they ask your defense an- another masterpiece in, in, in my view. And it might have been maybe a little harder for this uh, group to uh, pick itself up from the mat. I mean, just a week after giving up 55 points to Utah on the road by far their worst uh, performance of the year. Not indicative at all for what we've seen from this unit uh, the, most of the season. And they play UCLA offense, which, okay, full uh, confession here, did not look that great in the passing game because Colin Schley, the third-string quarterback, was the one behind center. But their offensive line didn't change. Their running backs did not change. And I thought that Arizona State would have one heck of a battle stopping that unit after yielding 352 yards just a week before to a Utah running game, which is no slouch, but maybe not even at the level of U- of UCLA. So from a defensive standpoint, Kevin, what are some of the things that really stood out to you? I mean, UCLA wasn't doing anything fancy on offense. I don't know. May- maybe they should have taken a cue from ASU's book and uh, be a little more exotic than they were on Saturday. Yeah, I, I, well, number one, I think our back end doesn't get enough credit. I mean, we there were some some tremendous uh, PBUs, pass, pass breakups that that we saw um, pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I don't know that we did a great job stopping the run as much as to me it was an enigma as it relates to what chip kelly was trying to do from a play calling perspective i thought they could have run option till the cows come home uh against us they had some big uh explosives uh running op- speed option and i don't know why they didn't stay with it especially down in the goal line i thought for sure they would run option down there but chip kelly in the la times today said look um yeah that's on us bad play calling but doggone it, you know, sometimes as a play caller, you get stubborn, 
And if you can't get a yard, you essentially you don't deserve to win. So sometimes coaches get they get ticked off and they're like, you know what? They're going to put it on the offensive line. If you can't get a yard, then you don't deserve to win. But sometimes when you you're just not having your especially when you're short at quarterback, um, you've got to be creative. And and Kenny's been really good at adapting and utilizing, you know, what what resources he has and he's done a tremendous job at maximizing those resources but to hold ucla to i think they were three of 11 on third down um i think therein lies uh the difference and then their inability to convert on fourth down they were 0 for 4 on fourth down and then ucla coming into the game was last and i said to myself hey let them play inside the red zone because they're the worst scoring team touchdowns and field goals in the Pac-12, and not even, you know, they weren't even a, I mean, there's nobody even close to them at the bottom of the barrel there. So, and they've, they've missed 50% of their field goals. So I thought, why not just play these guys in the red zone the entire game? Don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't let them, you know, start in minus territory. But um, it did sort of cost us at the end of the game when we ran the, uh, I mean, I don't know if I would agree with the strategy, with taking those four penalties, I would have rather tried to pin UCLA deeper and make them earn. And we gave them a somewhat short field. Mm. And that's the drive that Logan Loya had to, had the, I think it was a, I don't know, he wears 17, but I'm thinking it was a 17 yard uh, touchdown pass yeah. uh, to make the game, you know, a 10 to seven ball game. But um, I think that everybody, I mean, Deshaun Mallory, I mean, sideline to sideline run fits, um, you know, running, uh, playing to the echo of the whistle, essentially. I mean, the guy was just, I like to use the term relentless. When we've seen, uh, you know, solid efforts, it's just be because this defense has been relentless. And I heard Coach Brian Ward say, I really appreciate, you know, he was, first drive, he wasn't real happy. The second, and then then he was talking about, I'm, I'm really pleased with the way you guys are selling out. He kept using that word on the sideline, sell out, continue to sell out. And when you get 11 guys doing their 111th uh, and selling out, uh, you're going to come away with victory. By the way, it was, I think it was the first time UCLA had been uh, scoreless at the Rose Bowl in the first half in like 20 years. It was a kind of compelling statistic to think that they, you know, were, were shut out by the Sun Devil defense. So, yeah. uh, by the way, I was in the locker room, which was a tremendous experience to be sure. inside that locker room. And, Kenny Dillingham uh, awarded uh, Cam, obviously, a game ball, and Brian Ward got a game ball as well, mm. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, well-deserved. Well, well so uh, in our press conference earlier today with Kenny Dillingham, I, I asked him the question. I said, I know that you, Kenny, do a good job not getting caught up in the opponent, and whether it's the last game in Seattle or you're facing Washington State team that Brian Ward and A.J. Cooper were just coaching there uh, this this time last year. They really don't get caught up in that. You don't try to reinvent the wheel uh, for this game. And obviously, you know, the Oregon the Oregon game and the connection, Kenny Dillingham being the offensive coordinator there last year, that's something that he'll be asked 10,000 times between now and Saturday. And, you know, and I thought, again, to no one's surprise, very, very pragmatic, uh, you know, not getting caught up in all the – uh, connotations of this game and doesn't feel like, okay, now as creative as I was against UCLA, I need to up it a notch because now it's Oregon and they know me, they know my tendencies so well. 
Um, do, do you think that that is really the approach that can help Dillingham the most to generate another upset? And this would be quite the upset compared to compared to UCLA, just being very businesslike and not thinking that that the creative uh, shock and awe that you put on Saturday has to be a copy and paste approach come Saturday in Tempe. Um, well, I just, these guys, it's all about, you know, the win it's, and it's all business. And as much as we'd like to think there's some nostalgia to it, by the way, he barely got his suitcase unpacked and he was already heading to Tempe. I mean, think about it. He got there in the spring and was gone, you know, in November, uh, here in Tempe. So essentially, a as they say in the big leagues, a cup of coffee in, uh, in Eugene, Oregon. So I don't know that there's too much nostalgia. I know that he's got a relationship with Bo Nix. Obviously he, he had Bo at, at Auburn for a year and then for a full year at Oregon. So there's definitely going to be a relationship there, but there's nothing Kenny would like to do more than, than defeat, you know, his mentor, you know, Dan Lanning, these guys were obviously together here at, uh, at Arizona state under the Todd Graham regime. So, um, and by the way, Oregon's had a very difficult time uh, here in Tempe. And I think the last time they were here was, um, was in 2019 Correct. and they were, I think ranked third in the nation. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. the reason I remember my mom passed away that week and we were at her funeral service and they had a, a flyover. And I said, Hey, look, they're having a flyover for mom. <laughs> Crazy enough. If I can digress, my mom was, she loved to gamble and she had a mm-hmm. three team parlay. She, she would always bet Arizona state. <laughs> my niece went to Notre Dame. So she bet Notre Dame and she bet, uh, and my my daughter was at SC at the time, so she bet at SC. The bookie sent my dad a note and said, by the way, uh, Jerry hit her three-team parlay. <laughs> I can't believe Arizona State beat Oregon. <laughs> so she went down, you know, you know with a three-teamer <laughs> before it was all said and done. Yeah, and, and it's kind of interesting that you bring up the Vegas point because it is crazy how Vegas is insisting on putting ASU a double-digit dog, mostly on the road, but sometimes at home too. Okay, they got ASU in the Utah game. You know, give give uh, quote unquote credit for Las Vegas for that. But it's it it is kind of crazy how it's just a team that that just gets counted out week in and week out, and they always show the fight. And I, okay, I get it. If you don't have action on the game, you could care less if ASU covers or not. You just want to just want to get, get get away with the victory, but. You know, the one thing that I took out the took the most uh, out of the game, Kevin, and maybe you would agree too, is that um, we talk about the resolve and the resiliency of this team. And Kenny Dillingham saying every week, we're close, we're close, we're close. Then comes the Utah game. It shows you're not close at all. And some people say it was just a wake-up call of how far ASU has to travel me- me- metaphorically. And then they come back the next week, and it's almost like they could care less that they got blown out by Salt Lake City a week ago. And, and they just play – with so much resolve, with so much buy-in to what Kenny and the staff is, are trying to preach. I mean, maybe some people are, are already taking taking that for granted at this point, but I think that's just a huge feather in Kenny Dillingham's cap in how he's able to keep this the, this team together. And this is, you know, the most entertaining 3-7 and seven team and a team that I don't think anybody in the Pac-12 wants to see on their schedule. They don't care what ASU's record is at this point. They just know that they're in an absolute battle just as they would be against a Washington or Utah at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, he's almost evangelical in his <laughs> in his approach to coaching. He's a great salesman, um, you know, hellfire and brimstone. I mean, he just tells these guys to compete, get better every day, stay committed to the process, you know, stay true to yourself, do your 111th, do your job. And ultimately, if you go through those sequential uh, processes, you will have success. And he's, you know, and, and there's a blueprint in front of him. Um, you know, with Mike Norvell at Florida State that he continues to refer to. So that's, I think that's been a really helpful uh, reference point for the staff, for the team, for the fans, and even for himself. You know, he's he's got to believe in it as well. So, you know, this thing's going to take, like he said, it, Rome wasn't built, you know, in a day and it wasn't built overnight. And this is going to take a couple of recruiting cycles to get the right people. But I'll tell you what, i I, I couldn't be more proud of, of Kenny Dillingham, the staff and these kids for their, how resilient they are. And I've been on that doggone sideline all year. I've never seen anybody, uh, not one time uh, throughout this whole season, not one guy on that team has pointed fingers at anybody. I mean, it's unified. They're committed. They understand, I think, the bigger picture and, you know, that they, they, are dealing, you know, week in and week out, uh, shorthanded, and they're doing the best they can. And even in that Utah game, Hode, I saw that, you know, they were contesting the run, you know, late, late, late in the game. And our D line was, was getting off the line. They were you know, they good hand fighting and, and really putting forth the effort. Typically you'll see guys, you know, they'll get, they'll look like they're on roller skates at the end. They get apathetic. They don't care. They're beat up. They're sore. But these guys, you know, they fought to the bitter end in that ball game, and um, that's really what you're looking for from a staff. And then when you have, and where I, I always like to say, there's there's three there's three letters. It's S A T, strategy, alignment, and trust. The team is bought into the strategy. They are completely aligned. And where the magic happens is when you trust one another. And this team has unconditional trust for their brothers and their teammates. And that's why they've been so doggone competitive, you know, while they're so shorthanded. I mean, they shouldn't be in any of these. I mean, they had no business being in that USC game. They had no business being in that Washington game. Yes, we had an opportunity to beat Cal, but, you know, we just weren't mature enough and didn't believe enough at that point. But then you get to Washington State and it sort of all came together and then, the the Oregon game was an anomaly in that you you lost your your quarterback, so you're down to a four string guy who has taken no reps essentially all season with the number ones. So that makes you very one dimensional, very limited. Then you know, Cade Briggs had a, a cast on his hand at halftime. Then we lose Prince Dorba. He went down writhing in pain, and we saw him with an elbow brace on. He was actually casted up after the game. And then who else? Oh, Michael Matus goes down with yeah. a, you know, he's sort of been our Swiss army knife on special teams and field goal protect and, and uh, real good third down specialist and sort of an emotional leader, six year guy with his MBA and off, off he goes to, to shell oil with a $150,000 a year job <laughs> waiting for him. So congratulate, but that's the type of character guys that you want in this program. So mm -hmm. We had lost, you know, four critical pieces to our game plan. So it was, uh, and it, then it just cascaded downhill from there. So I, 
I don't know what to say about that Utah game. I mean, we gave up 352 yards rushing in that game. And, yeah. and you know, they're a very good team. And we do a, uh, a segment in our pregame called, you know, the lessons learned. And the, the lesson learned was there lies the blueprint. That's that's the paradigm. That is the, the model that Kenny Dillingham wants to follow. And for me, maybe we had a couple of false positives in there with the back-to-back, -back you know, with the Washington, Washington State. And then this, what this, what this did, it really revealed what we need to do in order to be an elite team. And, and like Kyle Whittingham said, he goes, you've got to stack back-to-back -back recruiting. You have to be delegating as a head coach. You've got to become the CEO. You can't be, you know, in the trenches day in and day out. You've got to, you've got to manage it from 30,000 feet. And then most importantly, staff continuity, which Todd Graham could never do. You know, unfortunately, it was all it was like he turned that staff over like five times in five years. Good, bad or indifferent. Kyle has been able to maintain staff integrity, that staff that we saw last week. They've been with him for eight, 10 out of 10 of those coaches been with them for eight seasons. And so ASU was smart getting out ahead of it and signing and extending and providing a bonus to, to Brian Ward, because I'll tell you what. I got a phone call. I think I might have shared this with you from a notable USC alum. And they're saying, we, we like this guy. We're coming after him. Two <laughs> days later, guess what? He said a, a week ago, Wednesday, they announced that they, they extended him. Yeah. Well, I don't know if uh, anything can top what happened in the Rose Bowl last Saturday, but I know ASU is definitely oh, so good. It was one of the, it was, it was so so entertaining. I think the fans all at the same time, but what they saw on, and, and we had a great following of Sun Devil fans yeah. that stayed to the end. I, I'm going to guess there was probably about 7,000 mm -hmm. ASU fans and, and surprisingly a pretty decent turnout for UCLA who typically um, hasn't, hasn't drawn well. In fact, during the Chip Kelly era, they've had three of the lowest uh, attendance records in the oh, history wow. of, the, of the football program, which is a whole nother story. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, I don't know if any, anything's going to top uh, what we saw last Saturday in the Rose Bowl, and if and if, if it was what we know, it's indeed the last Pac-12 game. Ace is going to play in that storied venue. Then uh, they uh, definitely went out with uh, not a, not a not only just another win, but a win like I said, it's going to be in our memories for uh, quite quite a while. We'll see what happens this Saturday, uh, Kevin. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, look forward uh, to your insight in the future. I'll see you there on the sidelines on Saturday. Works up, go Devils. And that'll do it for this episode of the Devil Junkies podcast. I'd like to thank again my guest, Kevin Turner, the sideline reporter for the Sun Devil Network. And as I mentioned earlier, I was discussing the Ray Anderson resignation on other media channels. Speak of the Devil's podcast with Brad Jenny and Joe Healy was one of them. I also have on my YouTube Devil's Digest channel the full interview that I did with ABC 15 Sports on that topic. So I'm not going to copy and paste whatever I said during those features, but I will offer these parting thoughts. Ray Anderson is an athletic director that had a significant run of bad decisions during his tenure from the hire of Herm Edwards as the head football coach through ignoring the sexual harassment instances of an ASU basketball booster that involved spouses of Sun Devil coaches, among other women, to the mismanagement of hiring Tracy Smith as an ASU baseball skipper and hanging on to him for way too long. If I would give Anderson credit for anything, it's actually for the resignation itself, because in the official announcement by the school, he admitted that the dynamic world of NIL and its stranglehold on college sports is an environment that he no longer wishes to be a part of. 
So for that, I would say thank you for stepping down and giving an opportunity for an athletic director that can better deal with that landscape and that is eager to improve Arizona State's efforts in that department. It's unfortunate there had to be so much vitriol from the Sun Devil base towards an athletic director that should have resigned several months ago, if not last year, but better late than never, as the ASU Athletic Department looks to march forward into a brand new conference next year and is hopeful for much better days ahead. And if you want to read more about my thoughts on the Anderson resignation, as well as the features we have leading up to the Oregon game on Saturday, as well as our continuous ASU basketball coverage, make sure that you subscribe today to our website, devilsdigest.com, as Arizona State turns a new page, guaranteed next year to have a new athletic director as they join a new conference We would love you to take that next step, become a premium subscriber, and join our family of your fellow Sun Devil fans. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next week.